0: Hi there, it's Ed here with a short message before we start the pod this week. Did you know that our most informed investors get insights, articles and investment ideas from Tom, me and the team sent directly to them via email and it is completely free. You can join them. Just subscribe at fidelity.co.uk slash newsletters. Hello and welcome to the Personal Investor Podcast. I'm Ed Monk today on the show. To welcome in a new year we'll be giving you eight ways to fix your finances not just for 2024 but forever we hope from clearing debt to making wills and saving too there's bound to be something you can do today to lock in financial benefits for the future if you enjoy the show please rate us share us or leave a comment wherever you get your podcasts It's the start of a new year and many of us will have a list of changes we want to make to improve our lives a little bit in 2024 but let's face it most of them will go the way of all new year resolutions and will likely be forgotten by the time we get to February but here on the Personal Investor Podcast we wanted to give you some actions that you can take now and take just once that will help your finances not just for 2024 but forever. And to help me do that, I'm joined by Andrew Oxlade, a director and my colleague here at Fidelity. Andrew, welcome along. Hi, Ed. Um, now you've pulled together, Andrew, this list of things that people can do to permanently fix their finances, and we're going to run through them all today in our conversation. Um, it's a bit of a
1: bold claim, isn't it? It Perman- is not it permanently <laughs> fixed. I'm not sure how confident I'm feeling about that now, but. Um, but well, I, I, but I think the point is, is that you know there are there are many many things that are intimidating about finance and having mm. to do this stuff constantly isn't for everyone. And the whole point of trying to devise a plan like this, it gives a kind of very loose framework to be able to do it once, and then hold everything together. It's not, it's not really permanent, permanent because you always want to be monitoring this stuff. But this is as permanent as you can get it.
0: Yeah, and in the context of New Year's resolutions, you know, this is not like going to the gym. Or going on a tyre where you're going to have to have lots of ongoing sacrifice and commitment. You can just do these things once. And as you say, maybe not sorted forever, but sorted for the foreseeable. And they're just important steps and building blocks. right?
1: Exactly. exactly. It's a broad coverage. It covers all of the major things. And then you can do lots beyond that if you really want to be a hobbyist with this stuff.
0: Indeed. And our normal audience, the listeners to this podcast, are investors, self-investors. But this list will cover a whole range of stuff, right? Things that maybe not, they, you know, things they might not have thought about in different areas of their financial lives, right? Exactly, exactly. Okay, so we'll we'll go through each of these financial fixes. There's eight of them in total. And at a headline level, we have, number one, make a will. Number two, lasting power of attorney. Number three, paying off credit card debt and loan debt. Number four is sorting out life insurance. Number five is maxing out your pensions. Number six is setting up a rainy day fund. Number seven is sorting out your long-term savings. And finally, number eight is taking financial advice.
1: So that's the very quick list, Ed. That is my kind of eight steps, um, but there's so many. There's there's lots of juicy detail that we need to uh, to go into to explain each of those and the caveats around how you do it. But yes, that's it in a nutshell.
0: Okay, well let's get into each of those points. In fact, the first two we're going to take together because they're kind of related. Um, one of them is to make a will. That's number one, and number two, a lasting power of attorney. A nice upbeat and cheerful way of starting the new year um, things that perhaps people don't want to think about necessarily but are really really important from a financial point of view
1: absolutely I mean the thing with wills is that this is probably the simplest thing you can do that will will, will pay dividends if you like as in avoiding a tax bill that you shouldn't otherwise yes. be paying there's some very high profile examples of this where celebrities have died um, intestate where they have basically don't have a will. Rick Mail was one example, um, quite a few years ago now, mm-hmm. but but a very high profile one. So then his his estate of one point two million was then subject to inheritance tax um that he wouldn't otherwise have to pay. This is a very simple thing you can do. It's gonna cost you a few hundred quid. You know, you can you can uh, uh, find a solicitor to help you do this, um, and it's job done. And then you do need to monitor it. Ideally, every kind of three to five years, or really, it's more about monitoring it when circumstances change, divorce, etc.
0: Yeah, and obviously, everyone's going to be different here. You know, the the law will have a sort of default for where for where your money, your wealth will go uh, when you die. But if you want it to be any different at all from that, then you're going to have to specify. And really, you're saving – it's not you, really, you're saving time. It's Mm. your loved ones after you've gone. During a difficult time, it will be very, very useful to have this stuff sorted and the admin side of this sorted. So, as you say, you don't have some sort of minefield of, of, you know, an interstate situation. Exactly. 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 And lasting power of attorney related. This is to do with giving some loved ones power over your finances if you're no longer – in a position to have it yourself, right?
1: And this is one where I think, you know, people tend to think about this too late. You know, they tend to yeah. get to this when the need is there. Um, so that will be when, you know, with your parents or or other family members are sort of reaching illness and unable to to to, to deal with their own finances and their own health decisions, because mm-hmm. there's two parts to this. Um, and, and, and then by then it's very difficult to try and do that. Whereas you can do it years in advance. I mean, to be honest, it's something I'm, I've been looking at for myself. Um, you know, I've got a family, and I don't want them to have that difficulty of working that out. These things only get invoked when they're actually needed, and yep. there's safeguards around that. There's some new legislation. I um, said, so, so in my mind, there's no reason not to do this. This mm-hmm. is something that's similarly with the wills. You know, a very difficult time is going to make things a lot easier.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've got some some personal family sort of um, experience of this. My mother, her mother, in fact, my grandmother. Um, became very old and was unable to make these kind of decisions and but their relationship really was that they didn't really talk about money they found it very difficult Mm. and it was a nightmare and my mum going through that with her mother we have now got all that stuff in place because she saw what a pain it was yeah and how difficult it was to kind of make those decisions and it just it it does make everybody's life a lot easier
1: I mean, I think if you're doing it at that younger age as well, if you do it at the younger age, then you're, you're sort of setting that example and removing the stigma of it, really. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I think that helps in those family conversations. So to do this, it's basically, it costs £82 per, um, for each one. So you do one for finance and one for health. It's really mm-hmm. a case of just registering it with the, um, on the government website. And you can, you know, it, as always with these things, if in doubt, get legal advice. A solicitor can help with it if you need that.
0: Indeed, indeed. Okay, well, let's move on. So they were number one and two. Number three on your list, Andrew, is um, paying off credit card debt and loan debt. A, a simple one. I guess most people listening to this podcast are going to be uh, across this. But, you know, we've just had Christmas. It's very easy to stick some of that spending on a credit card. I know I did. Um, it's important to clear it quickly if you can, particularly with interest rates where they are, right?
1: Exactly. I mean, this is a changed dynamic, isn't it, from where we were a few years ago when when credit was a lot cheaper. Now, of course, credit card debt has always been and remains the same sort of level. Um, but certainly loan rates have stepped up quite considerably. I think I pulled off, yeah, the Bank of England data, that, that showed that £10,000 loan is um, 7.15% now. So, you know, you're talking yeah. quite hefty amounts of interest. And of course, the credit card it's typically around 22%. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be paying those sort of rates, and especially if you're investing money, because you know that that is not the sort of rate you're going to achieve, certainly on the credit card. Right? So yeah. you want to be paying off those debts first. So this is always the quick, easy thing. If you can pay off debt, do pay off debt, um, and certainly try and get your head around how you get there if you can't right now.
0: And, and one of the things, I think it might have been in your written article for this, you said, you know, pay off that debt and, and tear up your cards. It is a bit more complicated than that, isn't it? It sort of depends on your, you know, some people I think it's important not to have... That access to debt and maybe remove access that will help them but there can be sensible spending on credit cards you get extra protections don't you when you spend on a credit card sometimes you need some kind of credit history to prove that you can pay off debt there's kind of a smart way of using credit cards especially with things like um the thing i had in my mind was all the rewards the avios that kind of stuff that people can sometimes work to their advantage right
1: yeah, but I was very much playing for bold, dramatic effect. Actually. You know me. <laughs> I wanted to be able to say, "That's it. Just rip them up. Throw them in." No, the bin. I mean, there is yeah. there is validity in everything you say there. I mean, in terms of the protections, I think that's lessened in terms of comparison because a lot of debit cards have the same protections now. Um, but you're right. I mean, some people do need access to credit, and it can help with getting a mortgage in terms mm. of having you know reliability of showing that. But conceptually, I think long term your plan yeah. would be, you don't to, want to be to, in the yeah, exactly to move away from from debt and move into. Uh, having an investment and savings portfolio
0: and of course listen we expect a lot of people listening to this will have this perfectly under control but this is a really good message for for kids for family friends whatever um you know that is a a fundamental of, of your finances get debt cleared so we shall move on number four on your list is sorting life insurance um i guess you could extend this out to other kinds of sort of health related insurance maybe but um You know, work out your need for insurance, right? Because uh, a bit like a will, um, this is going to be for what comes when you're not around. It's not necessarily for your benefit, but for your loved ones. It is important to think about what you need in terms of life cover to give you that peace of mind, right?
1: Exactly, and as you say, there's lots of other things you could look at around terms of protection. Mm-hmm. This is the basic one. This is the most important in terms of, especially if you've got dependents, especially if you've got a mortgage and you need that to be able to cleared. I mean, there's a lot of kind of misunderstanding over the years around the fact that you you'd have to have life cover with the mortgage. That's not true, but 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 it's a very good idea to have
0: it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's loads of there's sort of slightly overlapping and comparable insurances, isn't it? Life cover, mortgage protection insurance, critical illness cover, income protection. They're all of a piece. They're all to do with what happens if something bad happens to you. You can't work. In the worst scenario, you die. Um, It's worth just sort of ascertaining exactly what you might need. And and it's almost an existential point with this kind of insurance. It makes those sorts of issues a bit easier to think about. I think a lot of people's anxiety around, you know, mortality and all the rest of it is, you know, what do they leave behind? What happens? What are the consequences of something really bad happening? Um, this is one thing you can actually sort out. It gives you a level of control over it. Um, And it also has some sort of inflation proofing to it,
1: as in if you have term assurance, the payments remain the same. So if you set it up and you're paying £25 a month, then it will remain £25 a month for the whole term of 20, 25 years. So it's it's more cost effective the, the younger you buy it effectively. But of course you're paying it for those years as well, so it's a bit of a swings and roundabouts. But you do have that assurance if you like of knowing exactly what the payments are going to be until it ends.
0: Yeah, and and, and just finally on this point, um more and more of us are self-employed. Now, lots of people will have covers arranged through their work and their employer as part of the benefits they might get from work, but as people more and more work outside of that framework, they're working for their own it's, for themselves, it's important to get it sorted out, isn't it? Because um yeah, you're not going to have the help of a you know an employer's death in service payments or whatever.
1: Absolutely, yeah. So if you're working, step one, checking your benefits to see what you've got before you start taking yes. additional cover, and step two, um, if you're if you're not in work, then then yes, you've got to consider
0: that. Indeed, indeed. Okay, well, five uh, on the list is a, a really important one, I think, uh, very relevant to us on the podcast. It is maximizing your pensions. Um, that can happen in various ways. What do people need to know? Well, step
1: one is. Most employers will match contributions or, or make some contribution against yours, so it's an absolute no-brainer. We call it free money. If you like, yeah. if you're not if you're not making a company pension contribution, then yeah, you could effectively be losing money. You know, that's money that you could get for nothing. Um, and then you know. The, 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 it's going to be the most tax effective way you can, you can invest money anyway. Mm-hmm. So, 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 so not only is your employer matching it, but the money you're putting in there gets tax relief. So it's getting immediately boosted. Um, and then of course, if you want to get, um, you know, go another level beyond that, you could consider a, a self invested personal pension known as a SIP, um, where you'll have more control and, and you'll have to make more of the decisions around, you know, managing that money. Yeah. Um, um, but you can, yeah, I mean, basically pensions are the uh, the, the absolute kind of uh, most important bedrock of your long-term financial planning. Yeah,
0: indeed, indeed. And, and we've talked about maximizing your the help that's on offer. As you say, an employer will normally match some um, contributions up to a certain level. But if you've already done that, you know, don't stop there, frankly, because, you know, if anyone's gone away to look at um, the sorts of savings they're going to need in retirement to give them the the income that they want and that they expect they're likely to be way above the minimum even of what a a pension scheme provides even if you max that out you probably are going to have to contribute on top of that that's certainly true if you've had gaps in your saving if you've delayed starting pension saving for a long time you're going to have to go above and beyond the sort of seven eight nine ten percent that you might get through company work and as you say sips are a great way to do that because you can just set it up and escalate it over time. It doesn't need to be straight away, boom, 20% of your salary in a pension. You can get there gradually, right?
1: Absolutely. I mean, and the only way really to work out what amount you need is to, well, hey, read our wonderful articles <laughs> on the website that talk exactly about that and what's the kind of, Comfortable amount you'll need when you retire, and then working out exactly how to get there. And there's lots yeah. of calculators we got online as well that would mm-hmm. do do that as well. So at fidelity.co.uk
0: And in, and listen, this this is a this is an ongoing thing. Obviously, you're going to have to continue to contrib- contribute to a pension, but starting it and, and getting the admin done of something like a SIP is important, isn't it? Because then you can just tweak it upwards, and you don't have that kind of barrier of something to establish first time rounds
1: Well, exactly. The beauty of the SIP as well is, of course, if you move jobs, you've always got it, you know, and that you can always roll your other money into, into the SIP. But mm-hmm. this rule is really about the company bit. Just make sure you've got that company bit being paid.
0: Okay, fine, fine, fine. Let's move on to number six on the list, which is it's setting up a rainy day fund. And I think you're referring here to cash, basically. Mm. Um, look, a lot of listeners are going to have cash savings on hand, but it is always worth reassessing if you've got enough or as we'll come on to whether you've got too much um, especially again as rates on cash are, are paying much more than they have historically
1: yeah i mean we've seen this over the years and we this debate on what is the right rainy day fund do, do you know what i mean it's yeah. kind of like one of those ones that every time we've sort of tackled this subject you get a kind of quite intense debate especially amongst advisors around what they think is the right amount and it can vary anything from three months up to a year I think some advisors say two years Mm -hmm. Um, but most commonly you're probably looking at around six months I think is a sensible amount to keep.
0: It's interesting you say that. On the, on the podcast just before Christmas, we had Claire Barrett. She's from the FT and ITV mm. and all, all sorts of other places. Uh, and she was saying it doesn't need to be anything like six months. You know, mm. it can be just a few weeks or a, few, or a month or two, you know, of income. And just enough basically to say that, you know, if you suddenly lose your income, something bad happens, you've got something um but then beyond that you can maybe look at other things investments or whatever it is
1: but it's very personal isn't it and i think it's down to your situation it's down to how risk averse you are and how Mm -hmm. much you worry so i mean if you are a worrier then i think six months is very sensible because Mm -hmm. if you think you're going to lose your job or you might lose your job and then you're it's going to take you longer than six months to find another one then that's a real no-brainer to have that you know that that level of Um, that level of income held back in readiness for that. But as you say, there's an opportunity cost, isn't there? If you've got it sitting on deposit, um, you'll be earning a better rate than you were a few years ago, but you could still be earning an even, even higher rate if you locked up the money for longer. And that could still be, in terms of cash accounts because they'll pay more for the longer you tie your money up but that would not be your rainy day money because you wouldn't be able to access that money when you need it and alternatively of course money in the stock market over the very long term although not guaranteed with the returns um historically they have delivered higher returns so there's an opportunity cost in that
0: and that's very relevant um for the year that we've just lived through hasn't it because it was one of the big sort of stories of the financial world last year was the the rise in interest rates and the extra attraction potentially of something like cash Um, and as we speak you know cash accounts are paying maybe slightly above inflation which is a a rare thing Mm. Um, but compare that to where the stock market has gone in the past year and and you have to suspect that many of the people moving out of cash or you know diverting money that would have been intended for investments they probably lost outright because of the of what the stock market has done 20 25% in terms of US shares in the past year. That has a context because there were big losses immediately before that. Mm. But you would have been better sticking the course with investments than, than cash. So you don't want to hold too much in cash, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And as ever, it's highly unpredictable, as <laughs> exactly yeah. what we've seen with last year's
0: very kind of roller coaster ride with all of it. Indeed, indeed. Okay, well, uh, penultimate in your list of financial fixes, Andrew, is, um, well, it's sorting out a longer-term plan for savings. And I guess this really means investments. Um, if you haven't got any investments yet, I guess that means starting somewhere. Investment ISAs, maybe. Um, but even if you have got investments already, it's really worth just taking stock of them, isn't it? Are you invested in the right things? Are those things going to fit your plans? Do you need to tweak at all?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, let. To put it another way, if you're taking the last point and this point together, it's a case of save what you can into a pension. Make sure you've optimised that that employer contribution. Then you look at ISAs um, and other forms of long-term saving. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a long and there's a long debate that goes on around the best ways to do this. But to to, to go and invest in a fund, firstly diversifies some of the risk because it's spread across a number of investments. Uh, and then beyond that, you have the choice between an active fund or a passive fund. So Mm -hmm. an active fund where the fund manager is going to go and try and pick the shares or bonds or whatever it is you're investing in versus just picking a passive fund that will track an index and just follow an index. So if you are the type of person, and that's what we've tried to say in this this sort of quickfire points to consider uh, for permanent Financial fix. If you're not the sort of person who's going to be paying attention, and you're not a hobbyist, you may want to just consider going passive. Yeah, because you're you're reducing that risk that the fund manager will underperform, and that does require some sort of monitoring.
0: Yeah, and any kind of fund is going to be is going to be useful for that sort of person from the point of view that investments will be rebalanced, that they'll be renewed and reassessed by you know, maybe passively, maybe a professional um, fund manager. But yeah, that that passive approach does mean that really it's a sort of, you know, buy it and forget it kind of approach. It should You should just be replicating the market um, year in, year out, getting, you know, buying the market in the proportions that everyone else is buying it, essentially. So for this kind of um, permanent fix, it's a good solution, right?
1: Exactly. And tends to be slightly lower cost or quite a bit lower cost over the long term. So there's that other consideration from that. Uh, And yeah, I mean, you can always have things that are beyond just buying, say, a UK tracker, you can have a global Mm -hmm. tracker, you can have funds that blend so 80% in shares and 20% in bonds, which again, uh, may be uh, advisable for some people because that begins to bring the risk down a little Mm -hmm. bit if it's offset with a bit of bonds. Um, and, of course, the, the kind of classic portfolio was the 60-40, yeah. um, which whilst having a bad year in 22, recovered last year and sort of back on track. And then the theory is that, you know, the 60% of shares rise and the 40% of bonds fall and and never the twain shall meet, if you like. You know, yeah. one will always offset the other, but that didn't prove right in 22. But these are all things that, that, that if you're becoming more of the hobbyist, you're beginning to look into those sort of things. If this is all too much, again, global tracker, sorted
0: yeah and and, and I was going to say there's funds for all those kind of those variations of those portfolios and you know they're not people get that wrong about investing a lot of the time don't they They think that it's about picking winning investments it isn't really Um, it's about getting started going for vanilla options very often and just because something's a vanilla option doesn't mean it's going to perform worse many of the, the the most knowledgeable finance professionals I know invest Passively in mm. the most basic vanilla funds, right? So you've put that very well. In. I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> it's well. It's, it's not the first time <laughs> I've said it. Okay. Last on the list. Last on the list. A permanent financial fixes, potentially, at least, is to think about taking. Think about taking financial advice. Um, look, financial advice costs money mm-hmm. um, potentially hundreds or even thousands of pounds so it isn't always going to be cost effective or necessary it's going to depend on your circumstances um, but listen I think it's always worth if not taking advice thinking about when you might take advice so that, like these are the circumstances this is the 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 moment in my life when I will take advice and that could be for a number of different reasons right just general age change of job kids coming along inheritance there's a bunch of reasons why you might want to lean on a professional to help you
1: so there's specific reasons so things may come up specifically you need to deal with and understand and plan for so advice can help with that i mean this comes back really answering this question and come back to what what type of person are you yeah. in terms of your finances how confident do you feel how sure are you about making those decisions do you want to be a hobbyist do you want to be very engaged with this stuff or as we have tried to say in this article it's this sort of permanent fix you can try and do this stuff but if you're still not reassured use an advisor yeah. you know they would they will be able to guide you through all of this and take out that sting of uncertainty that you may be feeling because uh, at least you know there's somebody there who's kind of got your back I mean the thing the thing is as well to to underline with some of this as well is there's a debate around you know even in terms of the specific things financial advisors can help with but there's also that general devising a plan and then sticking to the plan and what yeah. tends to happen is people don't stick to the plan and there's there's some research in the US that comes out year after year it's done by a company called Dowbar that does this research and they basically found that over 30 years to 2021 the annual return of the, uh, the S&P was 10.7%, but the average portfolio that they looked at, the individual portfolio, was 7%. So 10% versus 7%. What's going on with that 3% differential? Now, there's many things that could be going on there, but one of them is likely to be this thing of people buying and selling at the wrong time. We We yeah. all know, we've all done it, yeah. we've all been there where the market surged. Um, and that's what catches people's eye and they tend to buy and you can see it in the industry stats where this happens
0: or or the people sell out people sell out when there's falls and it's uncomfortable yes and there's been loads of that in the last two years yes for sure exactly um yeah i mean i think and 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 by getting advice at that moment that is an interesting sort of psychological shift you're doing what teacher tells you basically you're you're you know you're just saying if, if you've got a professional to say look stay invested keep to the plan you're just more likely to do it. I think. I think that that's that can be a really important thing. It'd be worth the the money potentially to have that help. Um, what something I really wanted to say on financial advice was was you know when you get it. Lots of people will seek out financial advi- advice near or at retirement. I think there's another period about ten years before that, or even fifteen years before that, that can be really really timely when it comes to financial advice because. You can then cast forward. What is the the real income I'm headed for? You can you can have a guess based on what you're saving, even if, even if you have a good understanding. But have an advisor go through and tell you exactly the kind of income that you're headed for it can be a wake up call. That can be a, a, a real spur to go and save more, engage more with your finances, but also to get to grips with the different options you've got when it comes to income in retirement. How you're going to blend. The state pension, your private pensions, annuities, drawdown, whatever it is, Mm. and have those clear in your mind so that you can work to a plan in those last really valuable 10, 15 years of work to get yourself set up for retirement. I think that's an important point in, in the people's kind of savings journey
1: it's a very good point and and you can kind of see that that it is that kind of almost coaching that they give you as well of so you're building your understanding of how all that's going to work because it is complex but you know that they're doing that for you and understanding all that but it does help you in this whole kind of point around being very focused
0: on how you're going to reach your goals Mm -hmm. indeed indeed well look um andrew we've covered absolutely loads there it is all the time we have for now thanks for joining me thank you